0: He loved, beneath all this summer transiency, to feel the earth's spine beneath him, for such he took the hard root of the oak tree to be, or, for image followed image, it was the back of a great horse that he was riding, or the deck of a tumbling ship. It was anything indeed, so long as it was hard, for he felt the need of something which he could attach his floating heart to, the heart that tugged at his side, the heart that seemed filled with spiced and amorous gales every evening about this time when he walked out." Thus, the great Virginia Woolf wrote in her feminist novel Orlando of a young man who wished for more than the world could give him. Yet we, as readers, forget the oak tree he sat under. That tree was only part of the story for being rooted to the earth, solid, stable, an anchor for a floating heart. No one, not even Wolf, had realised that the tree itself had become curious of Orlando, and indeed of all of the humans it had sheltered across the centuries. There was something about them that the tree could not quite understand, and it was for this reason, some hundred years after Wolf's novel concluded, that a rather strange and magnificent change took place.
1: Hello. I'm sorry. I didn't know anyone else came up here.
0: Observe the evening. It is springtime, and the sky and air are golden with sunlight. A young man has just made his way up to the top of the hill where he has sought solace for all of his life, since he was a small child. But today, the tree is gone, and in its place stands a person, gender indeterminate, looking at him curiously. You didn't know anyone else came up here? Of course
2: you did. I've been here forever. We've known each other all your life. I know I look different now.
1: What do you mean? I've come up here since I was a child. It's always been the same. Every day. Every single day I've come here. What happened to the tree that used to be here? Where did it go? Did you cut it down?
2: Of course not. It isn't gone at all. See, here I am.
1: You are the tree?
2: Not anymore. I'm human, don't you see?
1: Why did you become human? Why would you want to be human?
2: I didn't decide to be human, silly boy, but it seems to have happened nonetheless. And I must say I'm rather pleased with it.
1: You shouldn't be. It's not a kind fate.
0: Is it so different from being a tree, really? What is it that makes one a human? What had been a pleasant conversation suddenly took a very unpleasant turn. What is it that makes one a human? It is a question that has been asked since the dawn of time by every poet and artist and musician and philosopher to ever walk this earth. And the human now faced with this question was neither a poet nor an artist nor a musician nor a philosopher. He was only, he thought to himself, a man.
1: I don't know.
2: Well, you are human. Why?
1: Perhaps. Well, perhaps it is because I am descended from primates.
2: <laughs> How ridiculous. I am human, and I am descendant of the seeds of great oaks blown on the winds that have circled this earth since before humans were a mere idea.
1: That's the best I've got.
2: You must know somewhere, deep down. Come on, tell me who you are.
1: I hardly know where to begin. I am a man. I am 26 years old.
0: We must interrupt this dialogue to note that this answer encompasses two of the things humans most often cling to when developing their own identity. Gender and age external, extraneous to the condition of being human, and yet concrete, tangible, and visible. We may forgive him for this, as it is much more comfortable than defining oneself by, say, one's greatest fears, highest aspirations, or most intense loves. But for an oak tree who has recently become a human, such incidental matters serve only to confuse further. A man?
1: Yes. There are two kinds of humans. Men and woman.
2: What is the difference?
1: Well, they look different. They have different bodies.
2: I don't look like either one.
1: But it goes beyond that. There's a sort of sense, I suppose, that one is a man or a woman. Men are stronger and more aggressive, and women are subtler and smarter. Men always wear pants, but women can wear skirts. Men love women, and women love men.
0: What we have just heard is a failed attempt to explain sex, gender, sexual orientation, and gender expression in one definition. Well, in fact, these things are very different indeed. Sex is biological, while gender is intellectual and emotional. Gender scholar Judith Butler wrote in her essay, Performative Acts and Gender Constitution, an essay in phenomenology and feminist theory that gender is in no way a stable identity or locus of agency from which various acts proceed. Rather, it is an identity tenuously constituted in time, an identity instituted through a stylized repetition of acts. By this, she meant that the way one behaves is not the result of one's gender, but that one's gender is a result of the way one behaves, and the way one is expected to behave by society. Therefore, the man's point that those of his own gender only wear pants, while women may also wear skirts, is true in its own way, but not at all pertinent to the oak tree's question. Women do not wear dresses because of the way their brains and bodies are constructed – they wear dresses because that is how his society expects them to behave. Well then perhaps I am neither? Or both?
1: You can't be neither. Or both.
2: Why not? I am not skirts or pants or love for anyone. I am the world I have not seen. Does that make a man or a
0: woman?
1: Not that I've ever heard.
0: We must once again interrupt this scene with the wisdom of Butler, which may indeed shed some light upon the matter at hand. She writes in the same essay, Genders, then, can neither be true nor false, neither real nor apparent. And yet one is compelled to live in a world in which genders constitute univocal signifiers, in which gender is stabilised, polarised, rendered discrete and intractable. In a world so ruled by chaos and confusion, where humans do not even know what it is that makes them who they are, it is quite understandable that one should look to anything discrete and binary for comfort. For many humans, gender has indeed become that thing. But the truth is that gender is not in any way discrete or binary. Gender is a social construct, and so there is no way of doing it wrong. It is a spectrum, and most certainly does not exist the same way for all. Some humans may be outside of the understood spectrum of gender. Some may move across it, and some may feel the entirety of it at once. Orlando himself became a herself by the end of Woolf's novel. There you are, then.
2: I am neither man nor woman, and yet I am human.
1: How old are you?
0: Age is another idea that humans hope will be definitive, and never is. The old are wise, they say. The young are pure and innocent. She turned back to the first page and read the date. 1586, writes Wolf of Orlando, written in her own boyish hand. She had been working at it for close on 300 years now. And as Orlando was only 36 by the end of the novel, at least in her own mind, body, and heart, Wolf seems to be making the point that time that has passed bears no direct correlation to the age within. I have stood on this hill since before there was
2: a village below but I've only been a human for the afternoon. So what does that make me?
1: This is no help at all. Think, what happened so that you became human? Were you struck by lightning? Was some evil rite performed on you?
2: No, I was only standing here as I've done since my life began. But today, well, the sky was so very blue, and the birds that often sit in branches were all gone, flying up above me. And the grass was like an emerald sea on the hillside, and all the flowers were so bright and lovely, and I just felt as though I could not possibly stay still for an instant longer. And all of a sudden, my roots were gone, and I had feet.
1: Just like that?
2: I have no roots anymore. I have feet, which means I can walk and run and discover what it is I seek. Tell me, have you found what you seek?
1: I don't know what I seek.
2: (sighs) Neither do I, really. But don't you understand that feeling that you must find something or you will never be content?
1: Of course. I have no idea how to find it, though. Nor does anyone else that I've ever known. It's exhausting, always floating, drifting, pushed along by the winds.
2: Always free.
1: Freedom is a curse if you're lost.
2: Is every human lost?
1: I don't know. I think, I think we are, but we try to make ourselves feel like we aren't all the time. Looking for love, for acceptance, for security, For explanations, trying to make ourselves feel as if...
2: As if you have roots?
1: But we don't.
2: And isn't it wonderful?
1: To feel lost? To be seeking something that doesn't exist? No, it isn't. And you'll see soon enough now that you're human.
2: I understand why now. Why? I have feet.
1: And?
0: And I'm going to use them. And so the oak tree, having discovered what made it human, began to walk. The man watched as it went down the hill and into the village, along the wide streets and out onto the roads which went up into the mountains and the worlds beyond. And then the man put his head in his hands, for the sky was so very big above him— and he no longer had roots to tie him down, nor branches to shield him from the burning sunset."